Hey, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. Um, a little, uh, what's the thing that they say? It's like a warning. Warning for you listeners, for yours at home. I will be eating hot carrots this episode. If you don't know what hot carrots are, well, you should find out because they're great. We have them here in California. They're just like pickled in, it's just carrots pickled in pickled juice. I'm going to eat the jalapenos. big one off the top. You would. Even though they're your carrots. Yeah, they're, they're pickled spicy well, they're carrots. they're our carrots. They come with uh, Mexican food and you can order them. Yeah. Mexican food from Mexican food places. I love them. I make them at home. We're drinking Freigeist. Geister Zug. It's a German beer. It's a spruce traditional Goza. Uh, this again is from uh, Grant from Big Ear Pedals. Man, I am worn out. It's been a rough day. Uh, Freigeist is the experimental offshoot of Cologne's uh, revolutionary small brewery, Brostel. Uh, here we strive to break the chains of industrial brewing by reviving and updating Germany's unique historical beer styles. A quirky version of the nearly extinct traditional sour beer of Leipzig, Geisterzug, ghost quote, that uh, translates to ghost train. Spruced Goza uh, is unusually complex, funky, and full-bodied. I got this spicy carrot on my mouth. How do you feel about this beer, Ryan? I'm about to try it, Steve. I thought you had some already. I haven't yet. I really like the smell. I can barely smell it, but it smells drinkable. Smells like a thing I would drink. It's good. It's good. I think I liked the, the last one a little better. It was good. You got a lot of sediment in yours. You can see it settling. Oh, I just poured the sediment into oh. it. I like that part. <laughs> I'm going to say, as you're eating the spicy carrots, really lean back away from the mic so I don't have to edit out your chewing. <laughs> Remember the old days of the podcast where we just chew and slurp and crunch on things? That was That was the best. Like three weeks ago, were we doing that? No. Wrong. Uh, What's new, Steve? Um, Well, I've been selling stuff on Reverb. I sold my 50-50 on Reverb. Oh, yeah. Uh, You got a crap ton of money for that. Yeah, yeah, that was the biggest surprise because I kind of just had it up there for a ridiculous price. Um, I have to say, so I listed like... Did the guy haggle with you at all? Nope. Just oh yeah, yeah, no, he made an offer. What offer did he make? Three fifty. I just took it. What, what was you haggle? Four hundred. You... Okay. Yeah, I wasn't going to haggle. Does that person? Do you think they know that they own uh, a fifty-fifty that belonged to Steve of sixty seconds? I have no fame? idea. I just sent it. I didn't throw in any stickers. I didn't leave a note. I just sent it. If they're a listener, welcome. Uh, What's guy? the name of your shop right now? Super Rich Steve. Nice. <laughs> you are now after you're yeah. selling out 50 uh, um, So that was great. Um, I've been selling stuff. And actually, um, I don't I, I don't know. We've talked about like reviving. Well, we haven't really talked about it. I've thought about it. But we've it kind of gets mentioned here and there. Revi- Steve try- has thought about talking to me about this. Yeah, trying to revive slash fully launch uh, Steve's Peeves as a series, even though it feels a little too much like Branton's Rantons at this point. You know, um, we've never borrowed from any other podcast, and we're not about to start now. Yeah. Um, and this was one of the things I was going to talk about. Uh, one of the places where my opinion has changed a lot is, okay, one is is people who complain about getting lowball offers. And I think I used to be more in the camp of like, oh, you got a lowball offer? Like, oh, that's a that's a bummer. What a what kind of douche 
lowballs everybody. And oh, how whatever, right? And then I kind of Are you being sarcastic in that or are you being sincere? No, like sincere, like, oh, that what a pain in the butt to have Mm. to like reject, you know, have to deal with these offers. And then I know on Reverb, like you can uh just there's a thing where it will automatically reject like any offer below like sixty four percent of your asking Mm -hmm. price or whatever. Um, I think you can set the percentage so you can make it custom. Oh, is it? I, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I I didn't look super close. Okay, at so it. what's your counterpoint on um, this now? And then I have also heard from people who who go like, yeah, if I have like a hundred bucks to spend, I will lowball everything that I'm interested in for at a hundred bucks. Like that's a bold move. Until basically, I'll just keep like, oh, I want this pedal, hundred bucks. Oh, you reject it. Okay, I'm just this person pretty- says it has a hundred dollars, and they're like, someone out there who wants it. Yeah, so if they've got like five pedals that they're interested in, and each one of them like is typically sells for like one fifty, they'll just go hundred bucks rejected, move on to the next one, move on to the next one, etc. Right? I'm like, oh well, that's that's kind of interesting, but they're like, you know, one out of every ten times somebody takes a hundred bucks, and and so I win, right? Um, and so I understand that perspective, and um, I think after selling the pedals that I've sold, which I think I sold like maybe four, five, six, seven pedals pretty quickly. Um, I don't really care about getting offers and I don't understand the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it's about, not a like, big deal. It takes I don't like a second the whole of thing about Like, oh, this guy sent me an offer that was like unbelievably low. I can't believe it. I'm going to, I'm going to send them a price that's more than like the what, revenge pricing, the revenge pricing. Oh, yeah. I had this listed for a hundred, but you offered me 50. So I'm going to sell it to you for 110. And it's kind of funny, I guess, like if that's what you want to do. Yeah. But the thing that I realized with Reverb is I get this notification on my phone. I go, oh, that's neat. And I click on it and it brings it up. And then I just say accept or decline or yeah. counter. And it's I think a- about this for like 15 seconds. And this entire process takes me 30 seconds. And it's not yeah. worth screen grabbing and going on five different Facebook groups. I can't believe this lowball offer. I can't believe these people would. I can't believe this guy would offer me $100 for my Earthquaker pedal that I have listed for 150 That's only really worth like 125 But anyway, that's besides the point. Like, it's like you spent far more time screen grabbing and posting You're about this thing pictures. that happened to you. And then listing, making the listing, it takes like 10 seconds to accept or decline an offer. I used to get really pissed off when people would just ditch completely on negotiations when it would be a difference of like five or 10 bucks. But then I realized I'm haggling over five or 10 bucks too. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. I'm making a big deal over it too. It's like if, if they hit their limit, then they hit their limit. They're trying to, you know, get it at the price that they want it for. And if they're willing to wait or try again with some someone else, and like, that's just what they're gonna do, I guess. It doesn't matter if if you have your stuff priced correctly, it's gonna sell eventually. Yeah, I I will say like I I generally price high. I want the offers. I want to know what's other. Another, I have two prices in my head. <coughs> I have. The price that I list for, which I guess isn't in my head because it's listed, and I have the price that I want, like my cutoff. So if an offer comes in anywhere at that point or above, like I'm probably going to take it right away. I had one pedal where I got two offers of, I had it listed for, I think, 90 
I had two offers of like $50. I rejected both of them. Two days later, I got $90. Yeah. Like, you gotta whatever. Love, that's like the ultimate like moment of just like confirmation of everything in your life is when you post something, you immediately get the lowball offer and you're just like, Oh man, I don't, who knows if I'll get another offer, but that's way too low. And so you reject it. And then like three days later, it sells for your full listing price yeah. and you're and like, I, hell yeah. And you want to send a screen grab to the first offer and be like, suck on it. This person paid one thirty versus the 85 that you offer. Right. I don't even jerk. I don't even think it's worth it to um to like let the list like i know excuse me i know um some people and i've done this i've definitely done this where i get an offer and i just won't respond to it if, oh, it, if yeah. i think it's like low i'm just like ah eh. well someone like i don't even think that's worth that anymore like i think it's like that's like it's almost like you're inviting bad karma something that someone pointed out on the facebook group like 2 weeks ago which i had never thought of or had ever had occur to me is that if you get an offer on reverb yeah that's below your asking price obviously if you're getting an offer you have 24 hours to sit on it right why wouldn't you sit on it for 23 hours 22 hours to see if someone buys it at full price or you get a better offer you don't have to accept yeah. an offer the moment it yeah. comes in and that's just something that didn't occur to me for some stupid reason well, I think for it's, years of using reverb and Craigslist. I think that's part of like the Amazon burn-in of like of thinking everything through and that's being immediate. And, and that well, you got an offer; it's got to be immediate. And really, like, and the same thing. Like, my only my only request is because I'm doing it through the app. So generally, um, like during the day, during like standard working hours, if I get an offer that I like, I'll accept it within like five minutes. So I always like. To me, I feel like if you make an offer and, and I I accept it within five minutes, then you should pro you then you are hopefully in a position to like pay within the hour. Yeah, well, that's just something I don't like about Reverb is that people have seventy two hours to pay or something ridiculous. Right, and it's like there's nothing worse than like it being sold, but then they haven't paid, so you can't ship it yet. And right. you think like if someone doesn't pay in the first like twelve hours, I just assume they're not actually going to buy it. Right. Like it's got to be they they clicked to make an offer and then they disappear for seventy two hours. I don't think so. Yeah, like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's not real. So I don't know. Everyone has different experiences, but like I think where I'm at right now in my life, like there's a lot more important things to get worked up about. Mm. there's even like, I wouldn't even say it's like to get worked up about, like there's a lot more things to like intentionally like troll people on. Uh, just <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Things I'd rather like mess around with that aren't like, Oh, I'm going to wait until 23 hours and 30 minutes to accept this guy's offer or reject it or whatever. Like if I don't like it, just decline. Yeah. Or, or haggle or whatever. You well, know, I'm saying you get counter. an offer, you get an offer that's reasonable, but then yeah. it's like, you never know if you sit on it for even 12 hours until the next morning, yeah. you, it might sell for full price. You don't know. But then you're leaving that guy hanging. Yeah. And by the time that you accept it, they might've changed their mind. And they're like, I'm not going to pay for this. Right. So the other thing I have going is I finally got that, uh, 70 strat, the scalloped one that I picked up a while ago. Uh -huh. 
uh, listed, and and you pointed out when I had it over here, like, oh, that the volume knob is is wonky, like it doesn't work. So I opened it up and I saw what was wrong with it. It was a really easy fix. But while I was in there, I saw that the uh, bridge and neck position pickups were Demarzio uh, HS3s, which is the humbucking single that was in the uh, was in the older, like the made in Japan, I think, uh, Malmsteen signature from like wow. the 90s. Um, so basically... That's pretty slick that those were in there. Yeah, so basically this guitar has been given like the full Ingve treatment. Um, so I've got it up on Craigslist right now for like 500 bucks. It comes with a pretty sweet case. I got offered a... Uh, you guys in the group saw, have seen it. I got offered a Fender uh, factory special run ash telecaster with a peacock pickguard it's an awful looking pickguard it's like a, a photograph of a peacock on a telecaster pickguard every time i see a peacock do you know what my mental reaction is what is your mental reaction? i see the uh the little video uh part from hercules the legendary journeys Whenever Hera oh. is, is mentioned, and you see like her eyes and the peacock feathers, yeah. and like the camera shot of rushing through the forest, and like the oh sound of, of Hera coming because she's like the ultimate bad guy that you yeah. never see in yeah. Hercules. Um, I I, I can kind of see the merit to, to that trade, Steve. The the strat for the Telecaster, right? In that you'll probably be able to move the Telecaster faster than a pretty niche modified Mexican yeah, strap. I, I emailed the guy back and said like, and asked if uh, they had the original pick card. If they did, I think I would have jumped on it or at least I would have asked, I would have at least like been like, well, what kind of case do you have? You know? Yeah. Cause I don't think my, my strat plus the case is equal an equal value to that guitar. Well, it sounds like you got some, it dec- might be. You got some decent might pickups be. in there. I'm not going to swap them out. Th- those pickups are only like 65 bucks a piece. Sure, but still it's better than what comes in a, in a Mexican sure. Strat. And I'm not saying that it bumps up the value like like against the trade, but I think it does. I don't know. Maybe it does subtract from the trade a little bit. Well, the, maybe the you stock- ask the guy if he can throw in a DS1 or something. The stock... Um- Pickups in the classic seventies or the seventies reissue, I think, were Tex-Mex. Oh, really? So um, they're not bad. But I, you know what? No, the stock. Pick, not, sorry, the stock pickup in the Fender Special Run is the Tex-Mex. It might not. So it is an upgraded Telecaster, technical yeah. upgrade uh, Telecaster pickup. I don't know. The, the Telecaster will probably move faster than that Strat would because you got to find like w- like a. Ingve fan who is right. shopping for a budget guitar yeah. in San Diego. Yeah. Like that's a small Venn diagram. Yeah, and I'm wondering like how much because I, I thought about getting the pick guard. The moment you scallop a neck, like you really shrink your audience. Yeah. And I thought about like looking for a replacement pick guard. I don't know what that would um Cost. I don't know. I don't really remember what kind of cards all day long. Yeah, so I, I could probably find something. I think those had single ply, but I could be single ply black. Uh, but I could be wrong. That would look sharp because it's got like a it. maple on ash sort of. Yeah, look. yeah, yeah. It's a really nice looking guitar. And the guy's like, "Oh, this is the best Telecaster I ever played." 
I've never played any Whatever. other Telecaster. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> it's the only Telecaster I've ever the played. Re- the real Definitely pl- the best. The real problem is that it's a Telecaster. And so my concern is if I make this trade, then I'm not going to want to sell it. Yeah. Uh, maybe but I'll- it's not like you're adding a guitar to your collection. It's a lateral move. Yeah, but so I bought a guitar and I traded that guitar for the Strat. Um, what did you trade for it? Was it? The Godan oh, Radiator. Yeah. So yeah, technically I have room, but the idea is that like is just to turn this thing into cash. You should money. try to f- keep flipping this guitar up to like until you, you get a house, like a Lamborghini or a boat, and then set it on fire. A boat. <laughs> I knew someone who lived in a boat in the seventies, and he said it was the best years of his life. Steve, I sold a guitar pedal to a guy on a boat. It was weird. Yeah. The thing I always remember about that story is that he had a diesel lamp in his boat. He did. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to combo. The amp, oh, was prob- uh, amp was probably worth more than the boat. You got anything new, Ryan? Um, I, my kitchen's almost done. By the time this video airs or this podcast airs, it'll probably be finished. We just have to get the microwave installed and our tile backsplash put in. And then we'll have a fully done kitchen. I've been cooking for a week and I'm so happy. I was so tired of eating out. So people, uh, the, all the kitchen heads out there who've been keeping track. It's done. I've got a all kitchen. Right. What was the best place and the worst place that you ate out? Oh man. I feel like, it, like there's places that I ate out just out of convenience. Cause they were nearby where, wherever I was doing like, uh-huh. like, you know, your taco bells, and things like that. I was like, ah, I really didn't want to eat this. But hands down, I would most, say, like, I would say only count like the worst place if it was like obviously Taco Bell is so categorically bad, right? But you kind of know, expect it to be bad. You know what that what you're getting into. The the place that was the most surprising bad, the 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 most bad for the dollar flat out was Red Lobster. Really? I went to Red Lobster just out of curiosity because I hadn't been in years. And who doesn't like a Cheddar Bay Biscuit? Let's be honest. You get those at Costco. I went to do their never-ending shrimp because I'd never done Uh it. They started advertising it, and I was like— Did they run out of shrimp? Let's go do it for kicks and giggles. They didn't run out of shrimp. I stopped eating shrimp because I was starting to get grossed out. They had a a dish on the menu. I forget what it was called. But it was shrimp that was literally just covered in nacho cheese. That sounds bad. It was bad. Why did you get and that? And the service wasn't great. And everything else everyone else got wasn't great. None of the shrimp was good. And it still walked out of there paying like 60, 70 bucks or something stupid. I had to scan all my receipts the other day. And I saw that receipt come up. and like, oh, Red Lobster. That was the worst. Yeah. I can't think of anything else that was that bad like it just was not good and the thing that's crazy is that there's another seafood restaurant like across the mall from there that kicks butt it's super good and i was sitting there in the other restaurant remembering red lobster and thinking how how does red lobster stay in business if they're this bad is you it just really just the wrong what else what did the rest of your people order um I think my what wife did the females got like, order? Got like like a mussels and like a clam chowder and something else. And uh, someone at the table got kind of like a noodle dish. 
that had seafood in it and no one was having a great time. It was just kind of like, why are we enduring this? But I ate a ton of great food, but I got very tired of eating out. I, 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 I need that check to come in from insurance because they covered what was uh, they covered all our our money spent beyond what we would normally spend on on food. All right, what was the place that you went to that you were like? Now you're like, dude, I'm definitely going like that you hadn't gone to before. So we'll call this your best, but really, it's the place that you've never that you only went to because you're in the situation and you're definitely going back. Man. I tried a bunch, a couple sub sandwich places. We have a Jersey Mike's here. We have a subway here because everyone has like a subway or two in their town. And then we have a firehouse subs. We were doing Jersey Mike's a lot for a while. And then I went over to firehouse subs. For the yeah, sa- we grabbed that for uh, the show once. For the same amount of money, you get way more meat with firehouse versus Jersey Mike's. So I was kind of impressed by that, but it was also like, uh, I don't always want a hot sub, and that's all they do there. It's like a, Jersey Mike's? No, uh, Firehouse. Firehouse, yeah. It's all toasted subs. Uh, I've been really into eating at The Habit, which is a Southern California burger chain. I don't think I can have it anymore. Really? You're done with The Habit? Um, Here's what I did. I switched from the burger to the chicken sandwich. I haven't had the chicken sandwich there. Uh, I used to go there with some of my coworkers, and like, definitely was the burger that I got. Like, I had one, and it just like... It sticks Something with about it was like... It's a gut bomb. There's certain foods that I eat. It wasn't even like that. There's certain foods that I eat where once they reach a certain level of like saltiness... Sure. It just it is like so off for the rest of the day. And, and it's like a specific... It is a sodium bomb. It's a specific kind of thing too because it's like I'll eat pizza when pizza is usually pretty high in sodium. Kind of, pizza kind of wrecks me. Um, But I keep coming back to it. But like... But like, as a dog returns to his vomit, diner burgers. You get biblical on you guys. Like everything about diner burgers is just sure. I don't know, but uh, the the habit that's here in town is right next to Chick Fil A. Yeah, I'm never going back to Chick Fil A for a chicken sandwich. I like the Habit Burgers chicken sandwich way better. So that's that's me speaking my piece. And also, Chick Fil A is kind of expensive for what you get. Yeah, and Habit is expensive too. But I feel like you get a lot more. For the same money. We were going to the habit because the hab, I don't know why I said it like that. Should probably get back to gear. There was like soon. this coupon thing where like you could uh you could uh like there was do it was like a stand up for the kids kind of I think I did that. I've got, the, I've got the coupon in my wallet. So it's still. like you you buy it and then you donate like two bucks to this charity and the next time you go, like you get you get this coupon for like a like a half off burger or something. Yeah. Uh, and so what you do is every time you go during this promotion is you just keep donating like a couple bucks because you it, a burger. it like, yeah, you get the burger, you get the cheap, you get the discount burger, you donate a couple bucks. You're still like coming out like $2 ahead. Right. Like every time or you upgrade to like a milkshake and then you, you that's the other thing. The milkshakes that habit are kind of good. They have a chocolate malt too. Uh, a friend of mine referred to their ranch as a uh, crack ranch. <laughs> I haven't tried their ranch. I'll give it a try. Uh, let's get back to guitar stuff. We haven't even started the regular part of the episode yet. And we're like 25 minutes in. People want to know about your kitchen. I know. I know. That's, this k- kitchen tangential. Yeah. I can't remember any other 
like chain restaurants I went to that were impressive. All right. I went to, a, I was, I used the opportunity to visit a lot of like San Diego places that I wouldn't be able, that you wouldn't be able to like try this other is places. got to be the worst video. I know, right? People don't care about this. Also watching us shove carrots. No, that was out. the part I meant. You want the last one? No, you go for it, dude. Yes. All right. So, uh, First ad. Yeah, this was sent in. This part of the ad was sent in by Casey Babcock. It's a double ender. We got we got two ads on this ad. It's uh, got a never heard. Did I set you up for a dirty joke? Yeah. That you're not going to take? Nope. Uh, this is an autographed electric guitar and laminated photo. Damn. By Ted Nugent. The Nuge. Comes with a guitar bag as well. Make a reasonable offer, but just know these guitars autographed by Ted Nugent sell for between... Five hundred and three thousand dollars on eBay, and this what? includes an autographed photo and case. May consider trades. What do you have? This guitar will be worth a lot of money when Ted Nugent passes away. <laughs> That's uh, what he, I bet this guy got the signature in person at a Ted Nugent shut concert. Up. And he bet he looked at Nuge and he was like, "This is going to be a lot a worth a lot of money when you die." And Ted was like, "Yeah, it is." Because I'm into myself. I don't think that's the way he would respond to that saying. I think he would like probably go on a rant. He'd probably just scream Wango Tango and then like go climb up something. Is that him, Wango Tango? Yeah. I thought that was Sammy Hagar. No, I'm pretty sure that's the Nuge. Okay, I'll. I'll I really check don't it out. know. I don't. Re- the only thing I know about the Nuge is Cat Scratch Fever. Uh, the other side of this ad was sent by... Um, it's Ted Nugent, Wingo Tango. Oh, dang. I mean, it sounds like oh, something... Oh, I'm thinking of Cabo Wabo Yeah, or I whatever. mean, it's kind of the same thing. They could they could open restaurants and put them right next to each other and uh, name them those things. So this one was posted by, um, by Josh Marmon, who says, Apparently, Toby Keith's signature is what it takes to make a made-in-Mexico tally worth $1,800. Jeez Louise. At least it's a better guitar than the Ted Nugent one. The Ted Nugent one is like a weird branded California. Yeah. Is what I'm reading on there. Yeah. It's like a really cheap Strat knockoff looking thing. There is no way that Ted Nugent autographed guitar that is a no name brand like this. No. Is going for three. It's worth thousand dollars. It's worth whatever his signature would be worth. On any surface. It's not right. worth that signature compounded by the guitar. The guitar is not a score multiplier for the signature. It just happens to be the service that the signature is on, which probably makes it not worth very much. Here's one of this guitar. It's sold. It has photo authentic, uh, autographed photo authentication certificate sold for $200. That's. On- I mean, to be fair, that's probably way more than that guitar's worth. It's probably like a $75 guitar. And this is probably like the same quality of guitar. Let me see the signature on that one, the one that sold. Um, I want to see how good it is. It's on the pick guard. What? Oh, you know what? The signature looks way different. It does look way different. And actually... There's no hologram on this one either. The the one that you pulled up that sold has a t- hologram on it. If you even look at the photograph that comes with the this one that in the ad, that autograph on the photo does not look like the autograph on the guitar. This is that's that was something I was going to comment on 
this signature on on the guitar in the ad is that that signature is probably the cleanest, most legible signature I've ever seen on a guitar in my life. But the the thing is, is sorry, I'm far away from the mic. The autograph on this pit guard that I'm looking at looks like the one in the in the picture. Right. And look at how he's got this perfect little crucifix at the end of his signature on this on this here's ad a, here. Here's another Ted Nugent signed guitar for six hundred dollars. So do you think sold, you think this is a fake it. signature, or do you think he just really like sat down and like I'm going to get this one clean? I. It's hard to imagine Ted Nugent sitting down and be like, you know, what? I'm going to do a really good job on my signature this time. I just imagine him just being like ah, and then running away. I'm, and then shooting something. I think. And then saying something awful on camera. Wow. <laughs> I'm kind of. Also, le- there's a broken string on this. How dare they? High E string all wobbly like Whatever. that. No, the Nuge no. one play that guitar with a broken string like that. Um, I'm leaning t- kind of more towards fake. It does. It looks like a bad fake, but if there's another one out there that's the same brand of guitar, it makes me wonder if he buys like 10 packs of this cheap guitar and signs them at concerts. You know, well, it's the one that I showed you isn't the same brand, oh. it's a sim- but it's a similar like budget brand. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Um, How do you think it compares to the- But then I'm looking at the Friends of NRA- uh, this is on eBay. Of Friends course. of the NRA, Ted Nugent signed guitar. And that signature is similar, but not quite the same. <sighs> so hard to say. So hard like to say. Like someone faked his signature, but just couldn't, like they couldn't like write his name out sloppy like that, but they're pen and they're just such sticklers for penmanship they couldn't do it they're like i've got to make this legible so the thing that actually is is kind of like my uh hang up on this is the the triple line underneath the signature yeah um i'm seeing i'm seeing ones where they they well the lupa for the t is a little weird also the hard crucifix nature of the t on there like if he doesn't do that on other signatures, which I have not checked at all. I've done zero research. If he doesn't do that hard crucifix T, that's someone else like telegraphing their own stuff into this. Is I don't. T- is Ted Nugent a Christian? I know he's super conservative, but I don't think he's a Christian. Uh, I I have no perspective on that. Because <laughs> it is clearly like you see that hard crucifix right i think this is fake i think it's fake too i literally cannot find another example of this type of of ted nugent autograph um that looks anything like this that has like the lines underneath that has um the loop that's like he does loop his t but not like that or his t on the front Right. But not like that. And all of the T's I'm seeing on the back actually have a loop. And this one is just like you said, it's like a cross. I mean, I guess this one's like the T is almost like that, but it's not quite as rigid. Like this T is such a cross that it looks like a Christian bumper sticker. Like that's just the reality. I mean, this of it. one's almost in that ballpark too. No. I think it's no, close. not even close. It's kind of not with a T. I mean, there's a bigger loop on there. But like there's 
this is this signature is so tight it almost looks like a font. Yeah. It's way too legible. Now here's a here's a record that's signed. I think that T at the end could be like a thing that he's oh, done. Oh yeah, he's got the cru- the crucifix there. I don't know, maybe. Maybe he's just so erratic and so unpredictable that some of his signatures are nice and some are... Either way. I mean, it doesn't matter to us. Person, we're not going yeah. to buy this. This person is saying between five hundred and three thousand and 3000 on eBay. I'm going to err on the side of 175 Yeah, I would say if you really are all about the nudes, like maybe you go 200 on this because this guitar is not worth here's more than like 125 Here's what I'm going to say. You love Ted Nugent so much. Buy a $75 guitar and write his name on there yourself. It can be oh in your gosh. own handwriting. And when people ask, did he sign that? And you're like, no, I just like Ted Nugent, so I wrote his name on my guitar. Yeah, this is just... <sighs> what do you think of it compared to the Toby Keith? I'm infinitely less familiar with Toby Keith versus Ted Nugent, and I'm not super familiar with Ted Nugent. Um, well, I like Toby Keith's signature a lot more. Both of them are in the same place with the same vertical orientation that I'm not a fan of. Yeah, Toby Keith. Um, and I, I say, think if you're was, gonna sign a guitar, celebrity guitarist, get it on the pick guard. Come I think, on. I think Toby Keith was um, politically a voting Democrat a lot longer than than Ted Nugent probably was. I think he's much more patriotic now than he used to be. Kobe, Toby uh, Keith. Um, Toby Keith. Uh, is now probably, um, I I don't know. His most famous song might be at this point, like Red Solo Cup, maybe. I'm super not familiar with him. I don't know. Um, his most the song that like broke him out was a song called "Should Have Been a Cowboy," and then he proceeded for like the back half of his his career doing everything he could to not establish bro country as a genre. Oh, okay. Um, I would say that he is like the. The um, the progenitor of broker. There's a Scrabble word. Uh, he invent. I don't want to say he invented it, but he definitely. Um, Do you think his signature will turn a four hundred dollar guitar into an eighteen hundred dollar guitar? I I don't, but I see. At least this is like a nice guitar. I well, nicer. I mean, this is a play. Um, this is a player's guitar. You could take this guitar and go play at any gig that you could use a Telecaster in. You know. Yeah. It's a Mexican um, Tele. I mean, what could go wrong? Toby Other Keith. than like paying eighteen hundred dollars for it, <laughs> right? I don't know. He uh, he. I has like a- his signature there. I like the big swoop out on that. Is that a T? I I believe that is, but like I would never be able to tell you that whose whose signature that is because it's not written clearly. And you the, can kind of like make out the Keith on the back end. So here's an idea. Uh, here's a thing. So this is his 2000. So um, to me, it looks like it says Olay K Olay K. Um, in his career in the 90s, which started in 1993. There we go. Wikipedia. I think he, it looks like he released one song with an alcohol reference in the title called Does That Blue Moon Ever Shine On You? Which I think is both a double reference to like blue, like blue moon. Right. A rare know, event. And also like a neon moon in a, in a beer, in a bar sign. Sure. Um, in the 2000s, he released 
uh, a song called Beer for My Horses with Willie Nelson, which was followed by another song called I Love This Bar. The next year, he released Whiskey Girl. The year after that, he released a song called Honky Tonk You, as in Honky Tonk University, followed by Get Drunk and Be Somebody. Wait, Honky Tonk University? Yeah. That's a, that should be a movie. I'm not going to watch it, but it should be a movie. I, I would watch it while my daughter is watching Moana at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm just waiting for her to go to sleep. I would. You got to get that. her a new movie. You've, um, been, you've been. There's no other movie she wants to watch. It's fine. I just watch Netflix and chill by myself. Uh, I, don't, in, I'm not, I don't know if you're using that phrase the way you think you're using in it. In 2007, <laughs> in 2007, he released "Get My Drink On." Um, I get it. He's got a niche. In, 2000, likes- in 2011, he released "Red Solo Cup," followed by a song called "Beers Ago." Followed by a song that maybe you wouldn't... Years ago was kind of a clever title. Followed by a song that you maybe you wouldn't... This is a... Okay, you turned me into a fan. This I is a, like, this like is a song music that's, now. Uh, that's maybe a, a little... Uh, you couldn't do this now, or it would be a different song called I Like Girls That Drink Beer. <laughs> <laughs> which was followed by a song called Hope on the Rocks, which what? was... Followed by a drunk called drinks, a song called "Drinks After Work." I feel like you could turn this into a game where you like, or like a name a name generator where like you can automatically generate Kobe T- <laughs> Toby Keith song titles. In 2014, he released a song just called "Drunk Americans," which I don't know what the content of that song is. By it, I imagine it was really just a song about his fans. Oh my gosh. I got nothing left to say. I know. I'm done. <laughs> Should we move on to the first topic? Uh, yes. Are we only at the first call? Yes. This is going to be a long episode. Thanks wow. to... Wow. Thanks, thanks to, to Toby Keith. Toby Keith historian over here. Gosh, I hope I just like Toby it. Keith, like the beginning of his career, he had like a lot of promise as like, I guess like a country artist who was like kind of interesting and then like in the late 90s moving into the 2000s he just like i said he became like the the party like he became i don't know if kenny chesney is the jimmy buffett of country music toby keith is is uh jimmy buffett's like hard rock cousin okay all right, Mark Schwartz wants to know pedal storage options that aren't shelves or discombobulated piles and boxes. This is going to be a short topic. I don't know if you can see it here in the video, but uh, the IKEA Alex drawer, I think that's what it is. It's got six pullout drawers. It's like a half shelf sort of situation. I think new, they're like 115 bucks. Uh, in the top three shelves, you can fit basically any pedal ever with good clearance over it in the bottom three shelves you can fit any pedal ever in its box you open up that bottom box there bottom shelf steve and pull out the biggest box this box from green child that i'm holding right now for the valve reaper which looks like a thick box fits in there perfectly doesn't fit in the top drawer but those bottom drawers are a little deeper and you can fit pedals in box in them. Uh, if you go watch... Toby Keith approves. Oh my gosh. Made in USA. Uh, 
if you go watch Josh Scott's uh, JHS videos, he has a bunch of these in the background. Is that where you got the idea? No. You came up with I it got the idea because own. I've got one of these next to my desk in my home office. Ah. And I was like, you know what? I think this is like the perfect size for pedals. And it is. Like, I'm betting you in one of those you could store a hundred pedals. I'm betting. Like regular size, like pedals, boss right? pedals. That's me guessing that you can fit like 15 to 20 in each shelf. This is the Peach Galaxy from Almanac Beer Company. It's a double beer episode. Also courtesy of Grant. Because we're in the first topic. It's going to be a long one. It could be a triple beer so, episode because there's only one left. That's my that's my quick answer. I don't have any other answers than that. It's, this is the perfect furniture for storing pedals. This Ikea Alex What about stuff. suitcases? Would you just... Because your suitcases aren't doing anything when you're not traveling. Would you just put pedals in suitcases? It's harder to get in and out of them like if you're using them for storage and quick access this is it in my opinion i haven't run into another piece of furniture that does it as well i haven't seen another piece of furniture where i've been like yeah that's the one i mean you could get various different kinds of shelves and i've seen people who like convert like you know gun cabinets and things like that to be yeah well that's kind of display sorts of things that's kind of both uh co um from the flipping flippers and and blake from the tone mob yeah both Which is great for of, display. Have uh, display cases. They're not gun cabinets, but they're, they're right, right. glass display cabinets. This is great for display, but if you're just doing like storage and you want them to stay dust free and stuff like that, I can't. I can't think of a better solution. Even for the, they feel like they're expensive when you're buying them, like 115 bucks or 100 bucks or something like that. But like I said, you can store like a hundred pedals in them. Hey, Ryan. I keep all my all my distortion pedals in gun case in gun cases and gun safes because they're weapons of mass musical destruction. Oh my gosh, you're really on this country kick. <laughs> I guess we did start talking. We started out with talking about the nuge. <laughs> what is this? Our like super like down home conservative is episode? Nu- is the nuge the nuge isn't country? Ah, he appeals to that audience. I don't actually know anybody who likes him. Hunters like him. I, They're like, this yes. is my music. I like the Nuge. And it's just because they have something in common. You know, I, I'll be honest. I actually like a couple Ted Nugent songs. I, I, I mean, I will it say. It kind of like, hits this rowdy 1970s, like, kind of high energy thing. That, and there, He's got some fun songs. Right, right. I don't actually know any of his music. He's got a song aside from Cat Scratch Fever. He's got a song that starts with like three minutes of feedback, and I listened to it all three minutes. I in the, in the previous episode I said that I don't like uh, friggin' Beatles songs, but I like the Ted Nugent song that's got three minutes of feedback at the beginning. What's wrong with you? I'm a garbage person. That's what's wrong with me. I'm a garbage person. Speaking of garbage people. Oh, that's bad. You remember when that happened on our radio? Yeah. All right. These people actually aren't garbage people. This episode is brought to you by Chase Bliss Audio. Joel Corte is one of the nicest people he is the, in the planet. Like, exact opposite of a on garbage the person. On the planet, in the planet, over the planet, wherever he happens Around to be, the planet. in orientation to the planet, you want Chase Bliss pedals. They're going to... Give you creative options you didn't even know existed. They can do yep. stuff that you wouldn't even believe. Um, 
if you like to flick switches and turn knobs and come up with presets and have sounds that you can't get out of any other pedal, look no further than Chase Bliss. If you want an EQ pedal that's also like maybe a phaser. Yes, like this crazy modulation. Also maybe like a tremolo. You should get the Condor. Yeah, the Condor is great. Anyway, lots of stuff. Go check out Chase Bliss Audio. Go watch all of Ryan's demos. Ryan has demoed every Chase Bliss pedal except for the Spectre. Right? I haven't done the Brothers. I thought you did do the Brothers. I didn't do the Brothers. I should probably ask Joel to send me one. All of them except the Brothers and the Spectre. The Spectre, right? That's the purple one. Mm-hmm. The flange. The I'm flan- sure there's the a flange, couple. The I'm sure there's a couple others that I haven't hit. You did the he has, he, He's got some that he hasn't made that he hasn't made for a while. All right. I can't remember. I like, but think every that single. You've done them all. I'll say this: I sold 15 pedals in the last week. I've never sold a Chase Bliss Ooh. pedal. I keep them all. So chaseplusaudio.com, uh, go check it out right now. If you buy something, tell them that Steve sent you. Hey, what about me? Forget this guy. <laughs> Joel's going to be like, who the hell's Steve? <laughs> uh, what? Oh, tell him Super Rich Steve sent you. Let's get into this next uh, ad. This episode is also sponsored by Sinusoid. We're going to talk about a couple of Sinusoid things. I'm hoping here. to start seeing, guys, next time you're in a public restroom, Tag that wall, Super Rich Steve. I'm hoping to run into it someday. Oh, my god! I want to believe that Super Rich Steve is out there tagging restrooms. Um, Super Rich Steve would pay people to tag restroom walls for him. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. Um, go on their website. Go look for the uh, Sinusoid uh, panhandle uh, giving cable go check that out it's a white van dam with neutric ends uh all proceeds uh beyond the cost of materials and shipping uh go to the i believe north florida red cross for that means re- hurricane michael relief efforts that means they're donating their labor yes they are not paying their labor employees and to overheads make they are doing it out of the kindness of their heart because they have an employee that is personally connected to the area that is affected. Yeah. Um, this is them literally giving of themselves to uh, to provide for relief efforts. After you buy that cable, go buy uh, a Sinusoid Signature Slate cable. That's their uh, flagship cable, uh, top of the line, super, super sticky it's not super sticky. It's got like a little bit of a tackified surface. It's really yeah. great for stage applications. It really like sits where like you them. want it if that's what you want. I like them for home studio stuff. Yeah. I use them with my amps because it as it lays on the floor, it's not going to slide around. I can kind of like quickly lay it in a path and know that it's not going to deviate ah. from that path. There you go. And gives me, you know, on the fly organization as I'm setting up more complicated rigs around here. So uh, go check that out. Sinusoid Pro Audio. Sinusoid.com. Are they still thanksforfriendship.com? Probably. I think they might also have sinusoidadoptedpet.com. <laughs> All right. But, by the way, Steve, yes. they make cables. Oh, and smiles. All right, let's get into the next ad. <laughs> uh, this ad was sent by uh, Ad Zant, Michael Van Zant. Uh, this is a DoD Grind It amplifier. Vintage 40 watt amp. Sounds excellent and works like it should. A few tears. Were you laughing at the 40-watt part or the vintage part? The vintage part, but also the 40-watt part. A few tears and dings, but only superficial. These sell online for $150. First of all, no, they don't. Yeah, uh, I couldn't find that anywhere. I had never seen one of these 
in person or online. And my first like instinct when I saw it is that it's a rebadged crate something, but it's not. It's it's a unique DoD amp. I had no idea DoD ever made amps. And um, I'm going to guess that this is like they were made in like 97, 98, something like that, because this amp. Uh, I think I saw somewhere that they were made from like 1990 to 2000, but I, that seems really that's long. That's too early, I think, because it incorporates two circuits from two different pedals into this. The grind? The grind and the IT, the integrated tube. Oh, those are two different pedals. Right. Okay. Uh, but they came out at the same time. So it was like one in overdrive and the other one's a distortion? Basically. They were both called distortions, but one was an overdrive. Ooh. Like the integrated tube was like trying to sound like a tube overdrive, mm. even though it wasn't. And then the grind is what it sounds like. It this was looks a like grindy a, distortion. This looks like an eight-inch speaker. Yeah, it's a, it's um, a practice amp. This is what? Like probably a 15-watt amp, I think. He says it's forty, but I bet he's reading the wrong number. Yeah, off the forty back. is forty is the out uh, the right. input wattage from the back. This has got to be a fifteen watt practice amp. Uh, how much would you pay for this? This piece of DoD if history. I, if I saw it at the swap meet, I might offer fifteen. That's lower than I thought. I was thinking like thirty. Really, fifteen? It's not like this is an amp I can use for anything. I would be buying it as a curiosity. Maybe it's got those studio tones that you really no. want. So the <laughs> no, neither of those pedals are like people don't go for them. Right? People aren't like oh, I got to get the integrated tube. People generally say like, oh, it didn't deliver on what it says it's going to deliver. And like I said, the grind is exactly what it sounds like. It's, yeah. A grindy, grungy, like hair metal-y sort of like approximation of a crazy sound. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't think this amp is going to be worth anything to anyone other than being a curiosity for the most hardcore of DoD collectors. Right. And honestly, for how it looks, I bet you could get a cleaner version of it for cheaper because it does look a little roughed up. I just thought it was interesting. Like the price aside, because the price is obviously ridiculous. The yeah. price aside, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'd never seen this before. I didn't even know DOD ventured into amps yeah. at all. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. If DOD made an amp today, which mm -hmm. they won't because they're kind of being dissolved, what would it every what day circuit, a little bit more? What circuits would it have in it? Yeah. Oh, is that is that what we're doing? That's where I'm going. Okay. If, if um, DOD made an amp right now or made an amp a year and a half ago when they were, you know, continuing to be a great company, it, it would was have out awesome products. I think it would have a gunslinger in it. That's a lot of knobs for an amp. To throw and a, um, was it the bone crusher? It would have those two. Interesting. What do you think? What would you put in it? I feel like the smart move for DOD, if they were going to make an amp, okay, is to go fully clean, solid state pedal platform. Okay. With, if there's any, I mean, this is very tailored to me, uh -huh. if they were going to put any drive in it at all, just a 250. I mean, I'm thinking. I'm. Picking, here's, here's, I'm picking two two pedals because this has two pedals. 
Sure. Well, how about this? I was, that's what I was about to say. Um, to make it very utilitarian, but also a tone machine, a 250 and a bifet preamp. And then a, a, uh, a tone section after that, like a three-band EQ and uh-huh. a master volume. And like an effects loop. Why? Okay, so, so here's, what, here's what they would do. DOD mm-hmm. amp, but there's no preamp. There's just a 250 circuit. Okay. It's, you can choose between a 250 and... No, you have three channels. So uh, channel one, clean, is just actually the BiFET preamp circuit. Sure. Channel two, drive, 250 circuit. Channel three, gunslinger. Um, it sounds no, like... No, sorry. Ch- channel three, gunslinger. Channel four... Gonculator. Gonculator. <laughs> All of this running into a DOD 10-band graphical Ooh. EQ. I'm liking this amp. Effects loop. But in the middle of the effects loop... Rubber like, neck. Like, is a rubber neck. Yeah. That's your amp. <laughs> but, but, so, so we went, all, we, we went too far, Steve. Science has gone all, too far. All of on these, one. all of these circuits all together. So, in order to produce the amp, this is a $400 amp because it's got all of these circuits in it, but it's still only a 15 you watt know, practice amp into an eight inch speaker. I'm being dead serious. If the, if DOD as a company as it was even a year ago came out with a, a well done solid state, pedal platform amp i'm talking like they're they're hitting like the solid state level that like quilter delivers mm-hmm. they came out with a pedal platform amp that maybe had one little like pedal sort of hitting there like a 250 or something like that i probably would have been all over it Ooh, i probably would have been super hot into that so hot so hot with like with some smart like effects loops options built into it you know i'm 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 thinking like a little Powerful amp. It could be like 50 watts, really nice solid state power section, and just some basic controls, pedal platform, call it done. I would have been on it. That's a nice little dream. It is a nice little dream. It's never going to happen because yep. DOD is being dissolved for yeah. some god awful reason. Uh, so, anyways. Well, DOD is not. Are they actually being dissolved or do they just fire their entire creative team? Is there a difference? Ooh. They might you know, make, we didn't talk they, about it. They but. might make, continue to like manufacture everything in their line and they might come out with new stuff in the future. But the the path that they were on with the team that they had, mm-hmm. I don't believe that they're gonna be able to beat that with the moves that they made. All right, quick take. 30 seconds. Yeah. What is what is TC what is TC doing? Yeah, Tor just left. I mean, this episode came out a week and a half after that. I don't know. I actually don't know the level of Tor's involvement in TC as far as developing stuff. I mean, he was definitely the face of TC. Yeah, and it's not like he's taking the entire team with him. That's the difference. Like, DOD lost their entire team. Very true, yeah. Like, everyone involved. That's ludicrous. Uh, Tor's just... I'm assuming moving on to greener pastures and someone else will step in and do what he was doing. Yeah. I laid down that sweet, sweet segue into this next topic. Cool. Let's but do it. Then, uh, but then I blew it. <laughs> um, this is a comic uh, that Jeffrey T. Hatcher 
Is it Jeffrey T. Hatcher or Jeffrey Thatcher? And you just accidentally hit spacebar. No, it's T. Hatcher. Uh, posted. Unless it's not. Um, this is a uh, comic from uh, pbfcomics.com, Perry Bible Fellowship. Um, when you're done listening to this podcast, go to the Perry Bible Fellowship. Go and, to the very beginning. Read, read every single one. Every single comic. Like He is like the Gary Larson of the late 2000s. Like... Everything is genius. There's no duds. Brilliant comic strip. And it's all online for free. And it's got fantastic art in it. And we're going to pop another beer. Hell yeah. This one's got a cork. Um, But this is a fun comic. Uh, It's obviously guitar related. Yeah, it says it's called a dream catcher. It's it's this woman. Build the scene for us, Steve. It's this woman. And she's talking to a guy in a leather jacket. Like a deer skin jacket. This has a little bit of a dankness to it. This beer. Really, a dankness. Yeah. It's a, he says, it's called a dream catcher. It gets rid of bad dreams. So in the next panel, it's, um, it's uh, don't give me bad poor. Uh, it's the dream catcher is hanging in this room. This boy is playing guitar. I actually like the level of detail in this room. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very detailed. It hits it. Like he's got a Pink Floyd poster up. He's got, he's got a Zeppelin. He's got poster. a Zeppelin. He's got a poster got, that just says "Rock." He's got two Beatles po- uh, posters. He's got Yellow Submarine and is that uh, Sergeant Pepper? Sergeant Pepper. What's the banana on his? What? Who is that? That's the Yellow Submarine, dude. No, the banana on the bed. Oh, it's probably uh, uh, the Dandy Warhols. Oh, okay, and then the Rolling Stones. There's a Rolling Stones. Or one. it's or it's um, shoot. Uh, um, it was in my head, then it's gone. Never mind. Someone will correct us. Yeah, I can, the Rolling problem Stones is, is I can visualize that, and then there's actually a Weezer album. That blue one is uh, oh, Weezer's great. blue album. Great. Uh, so anyway, I and, want that rock poster. And then in the, uh, well, it's not just a rock poster. Rock star. It's a rock star. Oh man. Uh, and then in the third panel, you can see that the Dreamcatcher has worked. Yes, his the guitar, guitar is, is in the, the trash. trash. All of the, his room is cleaned up and everything's organized. And the young man is wearing a shirt and tie and glasses and reading a law book with his arm resting on a finance book. Yeah. And the mother is watching quite uh, with a, a pleased look on her face yeah. from the doorway, happy with her work, getting rid of her son's bad dreams. Yeah. And the uh, I guess the angle of this topic is... Is it a is it a bad dream to like have the dream of of playing music? Is it a bad aspiration for young people? Like, would you like your daughter's getting older? She's getting close to teens. You think you would discourage her from a life of music? We're trying to get her to learn violin right now. She has a violin. Violin's different though. She's not gonna... violin's not music. It's music, but it's like no one's like you know what I'm gonna like skip out on college and skip out on having like a productive life and hit the rope playing violin. I don't know, man. Violin is like something you do to get you into college. Now, fencing is a thing that you do to get yourself into college. Swords. Yeah. Actually, fencing is apparently like the easiest sport to get a uh, scholarship in. Really? Yeah, because there's like so few... How come no one told me that when I was young? I would have learned a sword fight. There's so few... um, I'm a big target, though. I bet, I, bet like, fen- I bet fencers are little fast That means guys. you have like super long reach. I do have a long reach. Yeah. I got long arms. 
Um, Good point, Steve. I'm going to start learning swords. Yeah. Touche, Ryan. Touche. Um, there you go. On point. No, I was on like, a, on I think a, a, this is it, guys. We're going to be a sword podcast. <laughs> Somebody did ask if we weren't a gear podcast, what kind of podcast would we be? Swords. Swords. Um, so, anyway, the the fencing thing was on talked about on another podcast. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think like if, if you could go back in time, would you set yourself straight and be like, don't, don't do music is a, is a bad path to go down. Like just like focus on law and finance or swords <laughs> or swords. Hey, uh, Hey Steve, here's a danger of swords. If you try to push a kid into swords, you run the risk of them getting into fantasy weapons versus fencing weapons. Oh my gosh. And that's and like you don't want your kid to be a larper. Yeah, that's like the that's the opposite. That, that's not just a bad dream, that's a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think as far as bad dreams go, the spear's growing on me. Um I think that um there are mm. um generally broad issues I'm just saying words. Uh, <laughs> You're trying to lead into a point. I think I, it's. I think if your kid's like grounded enough, like you think about like, oh, like, he, I'm going to ground him. Oh my gosh! No, you're no, you're not. That's, that's not how gentle parenting works. No, man. I'm probably, not. I'm not up on that stuff. My wife is up on it. I, I just parent the way that comes to me. <laughs> So I get in trouble sometimes. Um, every day. Not every day. Every other on. day. I'm a good parent. It doesn't matter. I didn't say you were a bad Steve parent. Steve says I'm a bad parent. I, I'd say that, because you're floundering so much. I think as long as... I'd say I, that you do. Ha- you have to manage your kids' like expectations of music. Right. And like, cause like every, every single time I've started a band or joined a band or started a new music project, I have those couple of days where I have stars in my eyes. I'm like, this could be it. Yeah. This could really and go And then you get somewhere. over it and you just realize that this is really just for fun. It's a hobby. For mm-hmm. most people, it should be a hobby. And I think, I th- like a lot of things, a lot of people do get stars in their eyes permanently and throw their entire life into it and it doesn't really go anywhere. And I'd say to those people, it's, it's okay to walk away. Yeah. And go... uh explore other options but still it doesn't mean you have to quit you can keep playing music keep it a hobby if you really love doing it you'll keep doing it while you do other work and while you do other things in your well, life and i think know? that's you know that's where i was talking about grounding it and i think and you know it's hard because obviously like you you talk to um or you read like books about a lot of these a lot of artists who finally made it and, sure you know they toil- Everyone who made it was trying to make it. Well, they were, yeah, they were trying to make it. They generally were like trying for like, even if they got a record deal like right away, like they were trying for ever, right, to do it. Like regardless well, that's, of that's, what they're, was what I'm leading to. Like if you ask those people for advice, they'd say like, oh, just keep trying, it'll come because it came yeah. to me. And it's like it doesn't come to everyone, right? And and it, it's it's. You know, it's just like a, it's a hard measurement and I, you know, yeah. I don't want to say like, oh, you know, you, you, you're not going to do it or you are going to do it or whatever. Like you're going to do what you're going to do. But I think there is like a level of like, 
you need to understand how how far you can extend yourself and at what point like it's time to do something right different right. and and that doesn't mean you stop playing music that just means no. like like you said like you you uh did your parents ever have a conversation with you when you were young like don't try to make a job out of this like don't try to be a professional musician um I mean, I don't know if there was that specific conversation, but I definitely got told that I was failing at college because uh, I was playing too much of that rock and roll music. <laughs> it's all your fault, Ryan. Were I you c- still in college when we started playing? Yeah, I was. Oh, yeah, you I were for a even, while. I was like 20. Yeah. Was I 20? When did we start? Because that's how we got into Sun God, because you were still in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's we started right. in like 03, I think. If, so I was like if you 19. playing in a band was making you... And that band was causing you to get bad it grades. Wasn't. Yeah, because we weren't spending that much time doing stuff. So much time. Yeah. But it's like, I don't think my family ever was worried about me trying to become a professional musician because, like, I was already, already like, focused in on my college path as far as, like, going to college to do graphic design, which is also already a thing like oh he wants to be an artist great right this kid's right. never gonna make money playing music and making pictures all day yeah <laughs> in my case like i always thought it was funny like that oh, like oh you're gonna play music and da-da-da, this whatever like because like one of my aunts i think what was like a semi-professional musician for a little yeah. bit and i got my first guitar from my grandmother so it was just something that like just skipped one like everyone in my fam uh, everyone on my dad's side of the family is musical except for my dad you you know what's missing from this comic strip that i just realized what's that there should be a fourth panel mm-hmm. with this kid in his in like in his middle ages with just prs's oh everywhere just expensive guitars on the wall because he's going to be a lawyer. He's going to get into finance. This kid is going to have money for the good, good stuff. Like that's what's missing from this comic. Like, and that's what we're saying too. It's like, do your real life stuff, get your real life job. So you can like have the good stuff in your hobby and don't quit your hobby, but be realistic about it. Yeah. And like, it's it's hard to say this cuz it's like the wrong person might hear it and run with it but like if you if you have the chops to be a professional musician you probably kind of know it yeah and like I and you probably what... have like a career path figured out like here's how i can actually make money being a musician versus like my band's going to get discovered well and i know? think that's that's part of that being realistic where it's like if is you know i think even if you are a small time band that has a shot like you have an inkling for that in your local scene right of like wow this this is actually like doing pretty well if you're making but, a li- if you're making money you're making money and i'm not talking like oh you made 200 bucks at a gig and you had to split it three ways but if you're making money that pays bills dude, i think if you're even making like depending on where you are in your musical career if you're pulling like 200 bucks and splitting it three ways you're doing pretty good no you're doing all right but I don't that's think we ever played a single but I'm show saying where we that's made 200 not, bucks that's not bill paying money no it's not well it is if you can do that like six times a month 
Yeah, but then you're on tour. Oh wait, no, it's not. That's only three hundred. You're not going to place. You're not going to place six times a month in your hometown and get that money. If you're in a cover band, you can. Anyway, if you're in anyway. a cover band, you have a residency probably at some venue that's mm. once a week. You play four times a month. You play. And you're making a thousand dollars on that one night. Yeah, you play Thursdays. You're taking. You're taking part of the tab. Taking part of the right, the right bar. I mean, in different uh, cities, is that how that works? Different, I don't really know. different cities, you know, have different, uh, you know, scenes that can support musicians yeah. in different ways. Like here in San Diego, is it would be impossible, yeah, to make a real living playing local venues. Like it's just not not practical at all. So, um, last ad, and we'll get out of here. It's a long yeah, episode. Yeah, this ad is a uh, smoking guitar. This is a smoking guitar. Um, it's from, Do your best. Uh, it's from the Jackson. mask impersonation, Steve. I don't have a, a the mask impersonation. Smoking. My current the mask. That's how he does it. Smoking. My current the mask impersonation is like this. Socialism is the way of the future. To think anything else is just barbaric. What is that from? <laughs> That's what Jim Carrey posts on his on. Oh Facebook. really? Yeah. That's Jim Carrey. That's not the mask. If you are. If you do not believe in climate change, then you are a fool, a Luddite. Those are Jim Carrey quotes that I made up. You, are, oh, you made them up? Well, they're like semi-accurate. Like, they're in those the are, spirit of Jim Carrey? They're in the spirit of, current, of 2018 Jim Carrey. Uh, this is a custom guitar with Epiphone SG body. This is $200 in Atlanta. Jim uh, Carrey is invited to give me all his money custom, any moment he wishes, and I will fairly dis- distribute it. Custom Marlboro guitar. Um, custom guitar with Epiphone SG body, Fender Squire neck with humbucker pickups. Great look and great sound. And when he says great look, do you think that's subjective or objective? Oh, it's definitely ob- objective. <laughs> He said it with great confidence. Um, I don't see it in the screen grab. I know you, you screen grabbed this one, Steve. Uh, was there a part in the copy that said whether or not this was uh, played in a smoke-free environment? Uh, there's not. I have the complete description. Okay. By the way, this is an SG that's completely wrapped in Marlboro cigarette packets. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know. If, I mean, it's... Yeah, I probably could have delivered that joke a lot better. Yeah. I kind of killed my own joke. We chose this just so you could deliver that joke. Yeah. Hey, mom, dad, I'm going to be a professional comedian. That's going to be my new thing. Do you think this person would accept cartons of cigarettes instead? Yes, they definitely would. I don't know how much cigarettes cost now, but 15 years ago when I worked in a grocery store, a carton was a lot of money. I imagine they're more money Way now. more now, probably. But I bet this person would trade this guitar for three cartons of cigarettes. Three cartons. If In you today's know, carton money. If you know how much a carton of cigarette is worth, uh, and, don't, don't tell us. I don't nah, really we care. don't care. We don't care. Do you ever want to smoke, Steve? Did you ever want to smoke cigarettes? Um... A carton of cigarettes is $90. Whoa. Marlboro Gold 100s. Whoa. Is that more or less than you thought? More. I was thinking it was going to be like 45 bucks. I don't know, man. $90 for a, a, a carton? 
I fa- that's what I found. That's on, the uh, like the long box. It has like yeah, like twenty boxes in it or something like that. A box of Marlboro one hundreds. It does not show you pricing on. Hold on, that's crazy. Yeah, that's cigarettes ex- are expensive. That's an expensive hobby. Uh, next, smoke, next cigar- so I don't. Yeah, I don't really understand it, but I I have coworkers who smoke. I I have a few fr- friends who smoke. Um, I have only ever. I think I've smoked cigarettes once. I did it a couple times with a teenager, um, and that was, you know. And then um, I don't know. I've never. I haven't smoked much of anything ever. I like I like a cigar every now and then. I'll never do it by myself. It's like a you know like. Hanging out with a bunch of dudes for like right. a bachelor party or something like that. I'll smoke a cigar and enjoy it. I don't enjoy like having an ashtray taste in my mouth the next day. Yeah, and and so that's the thing is like the people I know who smoke are like anytime that I've been like in a situation where I'm like, oh yeah, maybe like uh maybe I'll like smoke tonight or whatever, they've been like social situations. So, right, like, right. You know, when when like we get all the guys together and like there's a cigar that gets passed around or whatever, right? Um but um yeah, I've never like I've never been like stressed out and been like, oh man, I'm super stressed out. I should start smoking. And I think like I guess like I don't know I don't I, I mean I guess people probably don't start smoking because they're like trying to self-medicate through smoking. No, like, they, I think people get into it because other people around them are, are right. smoking. And Maybe it's like, like oh man, you want to smoke? It. And you're like, well, I guess like I'm already out here like at the office and people are, you know, at the, at the, you know what people start smoking? smoking cylinder. People start smoking so that they can adorn their guitars with the wrappers. <laughs> That's I'm why. pretty sure this is like wallpaper or something. I don't know. Some of them look like they're spaced uneven. Like, look at that gap there and there. I think these are actual wrappers. I'm trying to see. Oh, where, yeah, yeah. I see where. I see um, where. Here's something that bums me out. Yeah. Is like whenever you hear about hear people talking about how you could save money quickly. Like, oh, if only you did this, you could you could afford to go on vacation because you'd be saving yeah. $400 a month. Uh, oh, if you stopped drinking a cup of coffee every morning. Mm-hmm. Or that second cup of coffee at lunch or whatever. Yeah. That second trip to Starbucks, you could afford to go to France. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Yeah. I don't smoke cigarettes. Uh, I know I drank three beers uh, in this day? recording session today, but I legitimately don't drink that often at home on my own. So it's like if I stopped drinking beer altogether, I'd probably save $20 a month. You think it's that low? Yeah. Dang. Um, What's wrong with me? So like, I don't have any like big vices that I can cut out that'll give me that vacation. Right. What am I right. supposed to do? Am I supposed to start drinking coffee so I can quit it so I can afford things? Well, and even like a lot of those things, like you know, it's it's functional. People could they, they, they could the be weeds. they I'm could be like, hey, if you stop eating food, then you could afford to go to yeah. vac- on vacation. Yeah. If you only ate the five, if you only bought the five dollar salad cartons from Vons, and that's all you ate, uh, that's more money than I spend on food now to feed myself one. No, like a meal five for a five dollar salad carton. Like if you ate like a if you ate a pound of salad probably wouldn't want you probably wouldn't want to eat again i'd have diarrhea like you'd just be like oh god that took so long 
I could probably figure out a super cheap meal plan that would save me sure a couple hundred dollars a month. Lots of people, but then could do I that. wouldn't have but any enjoyment in my life. Yeah, you could switch. Do I really want to eat a, live a life without condiments? You could switch to you could buy like dry. You could go to Costco. You could buy a. 25 pound bag of rice, a 25 pound bag of, Steve has figured of pinto this out. beans. Yeah. And probably for $50, feed yourself for like a week. $50 still sounds like a lot. $50 for, is a rice, for rice and pinto beans? That's every meal. I know, like but it still sounds like more expensive than it would be. Maybe it lasts longer. I don't know. The point is, that I'm, I guarantee. You probably I still got to feed the rest of my family. No, they're all going to eat it too. We're you all going to eat rice and pinto beans. That's what I'm saying. Like you could probably feed your entire family right on that fifty, like that that fifty pounds of food. That's probably only going to actually cost. I don't know if it's fifty dollars. It might only be forty dollars. I don't know. That's ten dollars. Um, yeah, it's ten dollars less. Ten dollars. Ten dollars a week is five hundred and twenty dollars a year, Steve. I mean, if you switch to just eating uh, top ramen for dinner every night, I die. There's top, no, there's no nutrition top ramen, there. Yeah, top ramen is all carbs and top salt. Ramen is chock full of protein. It is top, per serving. Yeah, it's how got, much protein? It's is got in, more protein in it than peanut butter. <laughs> how much protein is in top ramen? I think it's like seven grams. No, yeah. pull, up, pull up numbers right now. I'm going to continue talking about this guitar. Um, do we know the the model of this guitar other than it being an Epiphone SG? No. I mean, it's a two-knobber, two-humbucker. it's got a squire neck. What? Yeah. No, there's no way. Yeah. That's what it says. It definitely looks like a Fender neck heel. I, wanna, I wish I could see the headstock. That's the craziest thing about this guitar, if that's true. Yeah. This guitar is worth... A hundred dollars. I have no basis for that. It's they're asking two hundred. You would pay a hundred dollars. I would not pay a hundred dollars for this, unless I saw that neck and was really wowed by it. That's ridiculous. Here you go, man. Ramen noodles with seasoning is five grams, but who? That's one serving. A package has two servings. Ten grams. A package of ramen does not have two servings. That's one serving, guys. But this is the serving size. Is half is half of a package. You're saying it's eight to ten grams of protein. I'm saying if you use the entire seasoning packet, it's ten grams of protein. And one 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 twenty five cent thing, but it would be sixty six percent of your sodium in one day. So you're gonna do ten. That's all you eat. You're gonna do ten grams of protein. That's the rest of your protein going from green beans. That's gonna kill the rest of your sodium for the rest of the day. So don't you don't need so any more sodium. That's what I'm saying. You can't eat any more sodium after you eat this. You can eat half a pack. You can eat one and a half packs of ramen a day, and you'll Ryan, have right. fifteen grams of protein. Ryan, do you want to? Do you want to go to France? <laughs> do you want to go to France? I can't go to France if I'm dead from eating nothing but ramen. And I am not being snobby about ramen. I enjoy a cheap ramen every now and then. Think about this too. This I get is the only creamy chicken ramen. The two servings of this, or like the whole the whole noodle block of this. Is 380 calories. Think of all the weight you're going to lose. You're going to lose weight. You want me to go? You're going to go to France. You want me to go on the ramen diet? You know, if I throw if I throw an egg into the ramen, 
Venice a little bit more. Protein. Throw an egg. Throw a scoop of peanut butter. You're basically. I don't know why you hate peanut butter so I much. I hate peanut butter. This is like a super off topic, like inside baseball sort of thing. Steve and I da, had, da, da, had da, da, da. a conversation about peanut butter with a mutual friend. He thinks peanut butter is BS. I love peanut butter. I never said peanut butter is BS. Steve, she said that I said peanut butter is BS. Because you told her that peanut butter I did not BS. tell her. I told her peanut butter is overrated. Peanut butter is not overrated. Peanut butter is delicious. And this is what I think of when I think... This is what I visualize when I think of just eating peanut butter off of a spoon. Well, you just sold me. Yeah, all right, here we go. <laughs> uh, this song was sent in by uh, Tan's Guitar, who is a guy named Joel. He's in a band called The Maneuver, which is kind of a great band name. That is a great uh, band We're going to play this song called The Way We Were. He says, in this one, I use a Gibson Flying V with classic 57 pickups through a Wampler Pinnacle Distortion for a classic Marshall sound into my trainer custom Special 50. During the solo, I turned on an EHX Micro Qtron. Why did I say micro like that? Why did you say turned like that? Turned. I turned. Uh, an MXR EVH Phase 90, an Ibanez TS9, a TC Spark Mini, and a Boss DD20. In parentheses, he says, I had to stomp on a lot of switches very quickly. I wonder how he powered all of those. You think he had a 9-volt battery? Yeah, just 9 volts. You think it was like taped no, to I the think pedal? No, uh, I think he taped like 50 AA batteries together end to end. You know, if you open up a 9-volt battery, there's like six AAA batteries yeah. in there. It's true. It's true. Open it up. Check it out. Don't do it. No, do it. All right. When just, next time you have a dead nine volt battery, open it up and check it out. Don't there blow are yourself up because there are triple A's inside there. You need a triple A battery. It'll do it. They had a broken keyboard. I bought a broken keyboard. I don't know what he's talking about. All right, guys. Great. Thanks for listening. Bye. See ya.
again the way we were.